0: All right. Well, thank you all for joining us this evening. Um, we are going to talk about leadership today, um, and church leadership specifically. Uh, so, the main the main point for today is as we kind of boil all of this down is to follow leaders who follow Jesus. That's kind of the you know the four word or five word. Uh, takeaway from this this lesson tonight. But to start off, I want to kind of open this up with some, some questions here. What comes what comes to mind when you hear the word authority?
1: Somebody who's in charge?
0: Somebody who's in charge? Okay.
1: Follow directives.
0: Okay. Follow directives. Think of, like, the boss, you know, like. (laughs) Do you associate positive or negative connections with the word authority? Neutral, Neutral. okay. That's a good answer. I didn't have that one in there. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody
1: else? Okay. When you see that light going on that car
0: Yeah? Yeah. I, I agree with you, Jack. I think it all um, depends on the context. Okay. Yeah. So I context is key. situation you're in. hmm Because, uh, like, you think
1: about what he has or she has the authority to do this, it could go
0: either way. Right. It could one, okay? Right. Yeah, and you also have this this thought of, you know, how that person with authority exercises their authority. They you know yeah. And so um what about leadership in the church? Um, do you have examples of good leadership in church or or even bad examples of leadership in church? Do really think we're
1: gonna say that? <laughs> I have
0: I have seen it um in in I've seen growing up um went to a church that was Pastoral leadership was good. The other leadership in the church, every about every four years, decided it's time to run off the pastor. And so something would come to light, something would happen. Group of people would you know, and and then the the backbiting and all that stuff would come and it would fester and fester and fester and fester until there was this big blow up and then the church would be like, Well or the pastor would be like, Well, I'm gone. See ya, I don't have to deal with this. But it was evident as you walk down this one hallway where they had all the pictures of all the pastors that served since the beginning of the church. Every four years, there was a new pastor, with like one exception. And I was like, oh, they must have liked him. Um, But every four years. um, That's right. right. He left on January 2nd instead of, No, um, so it it was, you know, growing up, I had that. I had that example, you know, and the, the church was known in the community as the church that fights all the time, and you know, it was, they had a, they had a reputation, yeah. Um, and so it was uh, it was a thing. But I look back, and then I look at you know, Nansman River, where it's a healthy church, and you know, there's a, there's a healthy model of leadership here, and I compare the two, and I'm like, wow, that's night and day. Um, and so it, it just is, uh, you know, there, there are certainly I think. We probably have all, whether in the in church or in secular secular world jobs or whatever, we've we've experienced good leadership and, good, and bad leadership in, in certain areas, right? We've all had a great boss. We've all had a boss, and yeah, can't wait to move out to the next job, right? Um, and so um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about specifically church leadership and authority uh, tonight. Um, But that's just some things to think about as we walk through this, Um, and and maybe it'll help us kind of open our eyes a little bit to see um, what God intended for us to have um, when He um, laid out leadership. Um, So God is the great authority and gives clear directions um, for leadership. And so we see in Exodus 20, 12, it says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So there's a, there's a clear directive there to um, you know, submit to your parents. Uh, Romans 13, 1 through 7, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, So that kind of covers a, a multitude of, of authority figures um, in our in our lives, and I think that spans the test of time, in regards to um, you know a, a certain authorities that are placed. But it, it does it is clear that God has appointed these things. He has appointed governments. He's appointed um, these structures um, for um, for us to to you know be subject to. Um, However, we also know that sin taints leadership and authority like everything else. So sin, sin has tainted everything in this broken world. And so because of that, um, leadership, you know, the system becomes corrupt. I think we don't really need to go into that, but I think we can all see an example of that. Um, those in authority abuse that authority for their own gain. So they're in it for themselves rather than, you know, who they work for or who they're, who they're reporting to, and then those under authority often don't trust it, uh, which causes them to resist it. So if there's this breakdown of, of trust, there's this breakdown of respect, there's this breakdown of honor, and so um, you have people taking advantage of other people, you have those people resisting, it's just a, a, a cycle, right? And so it, it causes this, this friction um, in, in, um, in, the, in the authority relationship. So God's design for godly leadership, um, as in the words of King David, come from 2 Samuel 23, verses 3 and 4. It says, The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, When one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that make grass to sprout from the earth. That kind of sounds like a nice picture, right? It's kind of this peaceful, calm, you know a um, very nice relationship. Um, there's also leadership in the church. So the Lord has designed the local church to operate in a way that promotes humility, service, and accountability. So as we've been going through the last several weeks, we've kind of seen that the church promotes these sorts of things, right? So we, we hold each other accountable, we serve with humility, um, we, we serve together, we minister together. Um, there's all benefits of the church. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So Christ is the head of the body um, and is himself its savior. So Jesus is the example that we are to follow when it comes to leadership. Um, and so, Jesus is the Savior and Lord who is building His church, as we see in Matthew 16, 18. And that, we talked about that before as well. On this rock, I will build my church. You know, that's the, the keys of the kingdom, right? Ephesians 1, through 23, And He put all things under His feet and gave Him His head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Hebrews 3, 1, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling consider Jesus the Apostle and High Priest of our confession. Jesus serves as the Chief Shepherd and Overseer of our souls. And we see this, this analogy in First Peter 2, 25 um, f- and 5, uh, first, 1 Peter 5, 4. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the Shepherd and Overseer of your souls. And when the Chief Shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And then again in John 10 14 through 28, um, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of this, but it's it's basically talking about the sheep hear the sound of the shepherd's voice, right? That Jesus is going to this this analogy that the sheep hear my you know know the shepherd's voice. The sheep, my sheep, know my voice, um, and so because Jesus is the lead the the head shepherd, he is the shepherd, um, he is Lord, and um, is head of the church, um, everybody who serves under him then is an under-shepherd, right? So we see 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So we'll stop there for a second. And basically, just I, w- I would like to kind of reflect on that for a moment and see, are there any leadership traits that we can draw from Jesus? This is yes, obviously. But um, what I'm curious to see what, what leadership traits you think um, you can draw from Jesus and, and what he talks about and as far as his relationship to the church and um, how he is um, how he is head of the church.
1: Being a servant
0: leader. Okay. Yeah. Definitely a servant leader. Do you have an example of of that?
1: Well, I mean, you know, when you create these teams or groups, there's generally a leader. Sure. Not overt, um, overbearing.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. He, he was a. <clears throat> this is an mm-hmm. educational term. He's a transformational leader mm-hmm. because he saw. He, I mean, he knew who the disciples were going to be right beforehand. So, but he made them see their potential as well,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, for them to
0: then become the ones to carry out. the Put them because he saw the leadership abilities in them mm-hmm. to go out and continue
1: the, the ministry. Sure. Yeah. Jesus also said, um, "Come unto me, all you laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If I come upon you, and learn of me, because I am meek and lowly in heart, mm-hmm. he knew the failing." that the more you learn about him the more you want to follow him mm-hmm. so leaders want to point things of the congregation to Jesus mm-hmm. and learn of him because of all the demands that the Jewish those rituals made when we were in Israel one of the leaders said it's really hard to be a Jew mm. because there's Little detailed things that they have to, they have to abide by, Mm -hmm. and people just couldn't do it. Right. Jesus was meek and lowly and wanted
0: people to follow him and learn more about him. Yeah. Okay. Any other leadership principles from from Jesus? Uh,
1: Jesus also had concern for all the people. Right. Contrary to the Jewish leaders of the time, you know, and so he was even maybe more concerned about those that were downtrodden, and, and so.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Jesus was definitely a big picture leader. I mean, of course, he's omniscient, but <laughs> um, but he definitely was was able to see through. Um, the hearts of people and, you know, to get to the core of who they were as people um, and start breaking down some of those barriers, a lot of times with just a simple question. Um, And oftentimes good leaders can do that as well. They can, uh, not to the extent that Jesus did, obviously, but they can, you know, talk with somebody and figure out, okay, you know, I can ask a certain question to get this person to think, um, which will then enable them to be motivated to do what I want this person to do. So one of the things that we've been talking about in, um, in my school work was one of the first classes was um, what is leadership, define leadership. And so it was kind of a working definition as we went through the week and we're talking about different things. But leadership, as we kind of boiled it down, um, but we said leadership is motivating a person or group of people to accomplish a mutually agreed-upon goal. Um, And so, you know, Jesus did that very, very well, Um, modeling it for his disciples, choosing them, asking them to do things that kind of stretched them outside of their comfort zone a little bit, and were able to, um, he was able to steer them, you know, and get them to where he wanted them to be, which was to, you know, um, to spread the gospel. And so, um, you know, as, as Steve said, a transformational leader, you know, he did. He transformed these guys um, through, through the teachings that he gave them and through living life with them and modeling what it was um, that he was, he was teaching them. Um, so when it comes to church leadership, the congregation also plays a very, very important role in, um, in the, the, the leadership of the church. And so um, for here, we would say that we are, we are elder-led, congregational-ruled. So the elders can make motions, make suggestions, make things, but the congregation is, is, is the ultimate yes or no on those things, right? So the congregation has the say. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see that, um, but it's also very healthy because the congregation then takes the congregation has ownership in everything that we decide to do as a congregation. And so um, with that, the congregation has the responsibility to oversee doctrine, discipline um, uh, to, for for membership, and they also oversee stewardship. And so because of that, you know, because of how we're structured and things that we report to the church, the congregation has a responsibility to oversee these things through, um, through their voice, through their votes. Um, and that's um, that's kind of how, how we're governed here. Um, Galatians 1 through 10, sorry, Galatians 1, 1 through 10 says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom, the glory and forever, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ." But even if we or an angel of heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we see a very very strict rebuke here from Paul, um, saying, look, don't follow this nonsense that other people are coming and preaching. Like, stick to the gospel. That's what's important. Um, you have a responsibility to guard that um, as a church. We also see in Romans "Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Again, he's saying, calling them out on the carpet here, going, what are you, what are you preaching? And uh, 3 John 8, Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So people that are preaching the truth, people that are preaching the gospel. 2 John 10-11, through If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house, or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. And we also see Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the, the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So again, we see the church, you know, um, very actively engaged in discipline, um, and we've, we've talked about that. Um, and so, you know, the church, the congregation, the, the body of believers has a very important role in the leadership of the church. We also have 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 3. Um, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant ought you not rather to mourn let him who has done this be removed from among you for though absent in body i am present in the spirit and as if present i have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing when you are assembled in the name of the lord jesus and my spirit is present with the power of our lord jesus you are to deliver this man to satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the lord Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge?" God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So again, Paul is charging them to take an active role in maintaining the purity of the body. Right? He's 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 saying, look, you know, people are bringing this into the church. You need to deal with it. Not not stick your heads in the sand and pretend it's not going on. I mean, Paul's like, even I know about it, and I'm already pronouncing judgment on this person. Here's what you need to do. And so. you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, an active and very important role that the congregation plays in, in leading the church. So um, as we continue in, in kind of breaking down the, the leadership structure of churches here, then we also have the offices of elder, pastor, and deacon. So the church selects godly leaders to lead them in obedience to Jesus. Again, let me re- raise that, reiterate that to emphasize the importance that the church plays noticing a trend here, the church selects godly leaders to lead them in obedience to Jesus. So in Acts 20, we see um, at 20, 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. Ephesians 4, 11, And He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And then we've also seen already in 1 Peter 5, 2, so, leaders are responsible to lead the church into spiritual maturity, so this is, why, this is why the church plays such a pivotal role in that. They have to identify the, 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 um, the qualifications of these people that, are, that they're bringing into their midst to be their teachers, to be their elders and pastors. Um, and that they're responsible, um, the, ultimately, those, these people are then responsible to lead the church into spiritual maturity. So the church has to see something in these people to say, hey, these people can lead us into spiritual maturity because of the qualities that we see in them. They, the church affirms the call of a pastor or elder. Um, a person aspiring to the office of elder or pastor, um, that, that is a desire that they have within their hearts, but the church is the ones that call them to that position. So 1 Timothy five seventeen. let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and water off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. I think this is important um, because it's, it's calling the church to recognize there is one true gospel that should be preached. Don't, don't, don't um, you know, infect it with stuff that doesn't belong in the gospel. Um, you know, don't don't try and make it so that it's you know the gospel is offensive. So don't try and make it non-offensive by slapping a you know a teddy bear on it and saying, oh, it's you know just just be you and you'll be all right. Live your best life. You know, um, it, those types of things. Like the the health, wealth, and you know prosperity gospel is 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 great for leading people away because they, they get into this, yes, I want to be blessed, I want the Lord to bless me. Well, we all do, but that doesn't mean that, you know, if we pay $10 to, you know, buy this book, that He's going to return the, turn the blessing tenfold, you know? It's, um, it's you got to be careful. We got to listen and um, run everything that's said and taught through the Scripture because God has spoken on the, on the subject. <laughs> Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, which each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there's this relationship that goes on, right? You're preaching truth, people are growing, the church is growing um, in knowledge and stature um, and growing in Christ. And maturing together as long as truth is being taught. Uh, Titus one nine he must he must be, um, sorry he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So this is another thing that elders are are called to do. The Holy Spirit gifts and appoints elders to oversee and care for the church on the Father's behalf. So we see this in 1 Corinthians twelve eight through 11. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the Spirit gifts each of us differently. Some he calls to be pastors, some he calls to be evangelists, some teachers, some servants. You know, he he gifts and empowers people in different ways so that the church can operate together as one body. So um, we we'll stop here real quick and just say uh, in the, any or I'll ask the question, any any thoughts that immediately stick stick out as far as um, either the church's responsibility to call qualified people to these offices or the church's responsibility it, overall in, um, you know, the the, the doctrine and, and truth that is taught in their church? If not, I'll keep going, but we have a lot of scripture tonight. as quite a bit. But <laughs> um, so we can't say that the Bible is, is silent on leadership. Um, there's plenty of, plenty of text to read through. Um, <clears throat> so the church does affirm the qualities of pastors and elders, right? So the, they affirm the call on this person's life. And we see that in uh, 1 Timothy two eleven through 3, 7. And it says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman (coughs) was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing uh, if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Quite a lofty list of qualifications, right? Um, so um, there's, a, there's quite a bit there. Um, we also see for, uh, in Titus 1, 5 through 9, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrines and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So, again, um, a lofty list and a, a, a kind of a, a charge as well. Hebrews thirteen seven. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 5. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elder and as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders." Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So, again, you see here that um, there's a a call here, but there's also some strict guidelines for leadership as well. So, not to exercise authority over people in a domineering way, Um, not to abuse that authority, but to serve out of humility. Um, to, to eagerly serve, but not for not for your own gain, but for the benefit of others. Um, there's also a call for plurality in when it calls to elders, um, and the reason for this is that so um, one person doesn't run the roost, as as they say, um, rule the roost, as they say, in in unchecked. Um, so in in unhealthy. Um, church leadership structures, you'll see that there may be one pastor who ha- rules with an iron fist and nobody challenges him. Um, that's not a biblical model. Like, th- who, who holds him accountable, right? I've heard a pastor stand up one time and say, I'm accountable only to God uh, and the church that called you to pastor, right? And so um, pretty sure they could probably vote you out if they wanted to. Um, so there's, there's certain things that are in place, and it's beneficial to have more than one so that these, these types of things don't get out of hand. They, they, can, they can be nipped in the bud early um, because, after all, elders, um, pastors, we're still people. We're still fallen. We're not perfect, right? We're still um, broken people in need of God's grace. And so um, you know, there's, a, um, there's, a, there's a healthy balance there. Um, Acts 11.30 says, And they did so, sending it to the elders, plural, by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Acts 14.23, And when they had appointed the elders, again, plural, for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to to, to the Lord in whom they had believed. Acts 15.22, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, to choose men from among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brothers. Again in Acts twenty seventeen, Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. 1 Timothy four fourteen: Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. 1 Timothy 5.17, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Titus 1.5, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So a plurality of elders guards the church and any single elder from having unchecked authority, um, which is something that I experienced when I first came here sat in and i i was like okay plurality of elders okay so that means there's there's more than one okay so we're all in this together right but then to hear how you know how that works you know the 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 elders function together no one person in that room has more of a say than the others everybody's say is equal everybody has equal um uh, equal stake in in, in the discussion. And so one person's opinion or one person's viewpoint isn't held higher than somebody else's because they function as a, as a plurality. We function as one body, but we're many people, right? And so um, it was it was awesome because I was like, well, this is great. You know, this, this is, you, you can, each person carries the same weight, um, is I guess what I'm trying to say in a not so direct way. Um, and so it it's, it's very helpful because it helps hold people uh, accountable, helps hold people in check, and helps keep us humble and, and serving um, and servant minded. Um, <clears throat> there also needs to be a healthy relationship between the congregation and their leadership. So 1 Thessalonians 2 7 through 12. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother, taking care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also. How holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For For you now know... Like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. <clears throat> we see Hebrews thirteen seventeen: Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So um, there's a charge to, to pastors here. There's a, there's a warning here, right? So elders, and, and they, they, they are they will have to give an account for the work that they do here, for how they steward the gospel, how they steward the church, how they, um, how they love on the church. So there's a charge to pastors in 1 Timothy 4.16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourselves and your hearers. There's also a, a judgment that is coming for elders, right? Um, not necessarily a in, in a bad way, but there will be an, a, an, a giving of an account, right? And so Matthew sixteen twenty seven, for the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Romans fourteen twelve, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. James three one, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So there's a there, there is a a a um, Ultimate review board that is coming for for those who teach, right? <clears throat> um, then there's the promise of God. After all, pastors are elders. Uh, pastors and elders are sheep too, right? So we we are sheep. Um, so Jeremiah twenty three one: Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Um, in Ezekiel thirty four one through thirty one, there's also a reference for shepherds here as well. Um, there's it's this. This kind of comes up a lot in Scripture, this, this idea of shepherding the sheep, right? <clears throat> John 10, 1 through 30, we, we see Jesus as the good shepherd. He and the Father are one. The, the, his, the sheep that are within His hand, will, nobody will be able to snatch them out of His hand, right? Um, and we've already, we've already addressed 1 Peter 5. It's come up a few times in this chapter. Um, and so the mission of the pastors then... Um, is is simply this, Second um, Corinthians eleven two and three. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So that the mission of the elder is to keep people pure in their in their devotion to Christ. 1 Peter 5, 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Again, we have to guard. <clears> then <throat> There's also a joy in ministry, right? So while ministry carries a heavy weight and a heavy, um, a heavy burden with it, there's also joy that we see. Um, so we see in Thessalonians, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. <clears throat> um, 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. <laughs> Philippians 1, 3-5, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. First Thessalonians 1, 2-3, We give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, in Second Thessalonians 1, 3-4, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because of your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you, one for another, is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and all the afflictions that you are enduring. Second John 4, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we are commanded by the Father. So there's a, a clear expression of joy that you get from from seeing the church grow, from seeing people walking in their faith, growing in their faith, growing in their devotion to Christ, and carrying out the ministry. There's also another another level or another category here that, um, depending on the church that you're in um, and how they have structured themselves, um, can look several different ways. Um, for the sake of time, we are not going to go into all of that tonight. That will probably be something that you go through with Pastor Ryan in his doctrine of the church. But let's just say for now there are deacons in the church, right? How we operate here, deacons are servants of the church. They're ministry leaders, right? So they lead specific ministries. They lead teams to carry out the work of specific ministries within the church. Um, and they serve. they serve the church. So deacons are servants, Philippians 1-1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. Um, we see again, like in Acts 6, 1-7, where we see deacons come about. A complaint rose about the widows being neglected, so the apostles charged them to select men from among them to care for them and to serve them. Because the apostles were like, we need to be about the teaching and preaching of the word to giving ourselves to prayer and teaching. And so we need people that are going to be able to handle these things to serve the church. And so they, they gave an instruction for them to, to take care of that. So all service of the Lord Jesus is spiritual work, right? So anything you do for the Lord Jesus is spiritual work, um, whether it comes in the form of words, as in you know, what, what the elders would do in preaching and teaching, or in works, which is what the deacons do in serving. Um, it's all spiritual work. And they're both necessary... Um, for the church to be fruitful the role of deacons and we'll we'll end here is the deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued not addicted to much wine not greedy for dishonest gain they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first and let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless their wives likewise must be dignified not slanderers but sober-minded faithful in all things let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children for their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Then in Acts 6, 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So the role of the deacons, they, the, the difference between the qualifications for deacon and qualifications for elder is able to teach. That's the only difference, right? The, the differences are the same, or the qualifications are the same, um, with the exception of elder having the uh, ability to teach being um, specifically for them. Um, y'all want to keep going, or you want to take a quick break? We get, we're in discussion time now, so. I can
1: tell you other, other classes are taking
0: a break. Other classes are taking a break? <laughs>
1: All right. Steve's like I am. So,
0: all right. Well, let's take a let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk through some of these questions as well.